0: Jeremiah chapter number 7 and 9, verse number 1. The Bible says that the word came to Jeremiah from the Lord saying, Stand in the gate of the Lord's house and proclaim there this word and say, Hear the word of the Lord, all ye of Judah, that enter in at these gates to worship the Lord. Thus saith the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, amend your ways and your doings, and I will cause you to dwell in this place. Trust you not in line words, saying the temple of the Lord, the temple of the Lord, the temple of the Lord are these. For ye thoroughly amend your ways and your doings, if ye thoroughly execute judgment between a man and his neighbor, if ye oppress not the stranger, the fatherless and the widow, and shed not innocent blood in this place, neither walk after other gods to your hurt then will I cause you to dwell in this place in the land that I gave to your fathers forever and ever. Behold, ye trust in lying words that cannot profit. Will you steal, murder, and commit adultery, and swear falsely, and burn incense unto Baal, and walk after other gods whom you know not, and come and stand before me in this house, which is called by my name, and say, we are delivered to do all these abominations. Is this house, which is called by my name, Become a a den of robbers in your eyes. Behold, even I have seen it, saith the Lord. But go ye now into my place, which was in Shiloh, where I set my name at the first, and see what I did to it for the wickedness of my people Israel. And now, because ye have done all these works, saith the Lord, and I spake unto you, rising up early and speaking, but ye heard not. And I called you, but ye answered not. Therefore will I do this, do unto this house which was called by my name, wherein you trust, and unto the place which I gave to you and your fathers, as I have done to Shiloh. And I will cast you out of my sight, as I have cast out all your brethren, even the whole seed of Ephraim. Let's pray. to Heavenly Father, we thank you for tonight. Lord, what a joy it has been to be in church tonight. Lord, what a blessing it is to be in a church where your presence is, it's felt, it's known, it's expressed, and we're so grateful for that tonight, Lord. We ask you, Lord, to see that you'd help us one more time. Lord, we've praised your name. We've worshiped you in the song service. Lord, we've reminded ourselves, and Lord, you've reminded us just how good you are. Lord, you reminded us that you are the best thing that's ever happened to us. You reminded us that prayers can be answered. You remind us that you are the Son of God. You are the true and living God. You are the Holy One. We thank you, God, for Calvary. Thank you for salvation. We ask you, Lord, to see that you speak directly to your hearts. Lord, you know my heart tonight. Help me, Lord, to convey the message that needs to be preached tonight. Lord, we love you and we thank you. We'll give you all the glory and all the praise. Thank you, Lord, for letting these young people quote your word. I ask you, Lord, tonight that that which they quote, God, would you bury it deep down in their heart, that every day of their life they'll get up and put on the armor of God, that they, in their youth, would be examples unto the believers tonight. We ask you, Lord, that you'd work in their lives. God, use them now where they are. We love you. We thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And amen. This is Jeremiah. We're in Isaiah this morning. Your major prophets in the Old Testament. Not because of uh, their importance, so to speak. They just... The Lord used them to say a whole lot more. But we find here in Jeremiah chapter number seven is an interesting thing that is taking place. The nation of Israel or Judah has approached the temple. They are coming to worship. They are coming to, I guess, go into the temple and go through the process of worship. But God tells Jeremiah to stand at the gates of the temple and he tells Jeremiah, don't let them come in until you've preached to them. Now, could you imagine if that played out today? Maybe you've invited somebody to church and you've been telling them all the pros about our church. And you say things like this, man, we've got a great song service. We sing the traditional hymns. We sing the old time songs. The Lord meets with us. Our preacher gets to it. He says it. He lays it out. He does a great job. And you've been, you've been bragging and building all these things up. And, and they finally committed to come. You think, well, I can't wait for them to come to church and you pull up and there I am standing at the front door of the church and saying, ain't nobody coming in today until I'm done preaching. You'd probably wish me, they say, how he normally does it? This is what we normally do. I don't know what he's doing. I don't know where this has come from. I don't know why he's doing this. And can I say, when Jeremiah stands up at the temple, he's, what he's doing is not what is normally done, but yet he is doing what God has told him to do. And Jeremiah begins to preach. In essence, Jeremiah is trying to bring about this subject. We've been talking about worship on Sunday nights. And he's trying to convey to the the Jews that are there that worship is a very, very serious thing. In essence, he's standing at the gate of the temple saying, you will not come in here until you purpose in your heart to take worship seriously to view worship as God views it, to practice it as God practices it. In essence, and here's the thing, it wasn't like he was just standing there saying, are you going to be serious today? Oh, yes, okay, come on in. Are you going to be serious today? Oh, yes, come on in. No, the Bible says he preaches there, and this message starts in chapter number 7 and goes to at least chapter number 10, if not past that. And so it's not a short sermonette. Jeremiah, under the inspiration of God, being used by God, the mouthpiece of God, is literally, he is laying it down on them. Why? Worship is a serious matter. Worship is a very, very serious matter. I want to preach on this thought tonight when it's concerning worship. You better be serious. Or you better take it serious tonight. I believe every Christian can sincerely worship the Lord by seriously applying these following truths. Notice number one, if we're gonna be serious about worship, there must be a heated repentance. There must be a heated repentance multiple times in chapter number seven, starting in verse number three. We see the initial plea of God for Israel, for Judah to get their ways right. Look at verse number three. Thus saith the Lord of the host, the God of Israel, amend your ways and your doings and I will cause you to dwell in this place. Now, what is the temple? That is where the presence of God dwells. That is where the presence of God abides. We understand reading the historical books and the Old Testament, that's where God's presence was, was inside of the temple. But here God said, listen, you can't just walk up in here any way, any, 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 any form, any fashion. There's sin that's gotta be dealt with there's wrongdoings that gotta be made right. There's issues that have to be amended and before we go any further into the chapter, before they're allowed to take another step into the temple, God uses Jeremiah to tell them, hey, listen, you need to get those things right. There is the initial plea in verse number three and here's the thing. If we don't respond to the initial plea, we're not gonna go any further. In essence, God isn't gonna say, well, you know, I told you you needed to get that right but I really didn't mean that. You just come on in and and, and everything's gonna be okay. You just play the game. You check off the box because that's what God's really looking for. That's not what God's really looking for. That's not what God desires out of my and your life. If we're gonna take worship seriously, it's not gonna be something we play with. It's not gonna be something that we perform. It is gonna be me and you responding to the plea of God to get those things right. We see in verse number three, we see the initial plea, amend your ways. But then we see the complete plea. Plea in verse number five. For if you thoroughly amend your ways and your doings, if you thoroughly execute judgment between a man and his neighbor, can I say that word thoroughly takes it a whole nother step in essence, there are specific issues, specific areas, specific times, specific places, and it's not just a general plea of repentance. And so a lot of times we like to try to categorize everything together. Lord, forgive me of everything that I've ever done. Lord, forgive me of all my sins and all my mistakes. And I say sometimes, yes, that's how the Lord deals with our heart in a general sense, but I don't know about you, God deals with me on a personal level. He deals with me on a thorough level. He deals with those issues that are on a personal level tonight. And so there has to be, if we're gonna be serious about worship, because here's the thing, if you don't respond to this plea of repentance, if you don't respond to the plea of God to get things right, you only have one option, and that is to come here and play a game. That is to come in here and pretend and not do it genuinely tonight. To not worship genuinely, genuinely. Notice there's an initial plea. There's a complete plea. But look at verse 23 and 24. There's a canceled plea. Look at verse 23. But this thing command I them, saying, Obey my voice, and I will be your God. And ye shall be my people, walk ye in all the ways I have commanded you, that ye may, it may be well unto you. But they hearkened not, nor inclined their ear, but walked in the counsels in the imagination of their evil heart and went backward, and not forward. There's another verse in there, in verse number 13 tonight. Look what it says, and now because you've done all these works, saith the Lord, and I spake unto you, rising up early and speaking of you, but you heard not, and I called you, but you answered not, and you get down to verse 23 and verse number 24. He said, because you didn't listen, because you didn't hearken, you didn't turn your ear, but walked in the counsel of the imagination of your evil heart, you've gone backwards, and you have not progressed. Can I say tonight that there's going to come a place that if me and you just keep playing the game, there will be no progression. There will only be regression. There will only be a backward step. That's why we call it back. You ever heard of front sliding? There's no such thing. It's called growth. Growing in the Lord is front sliding. Doing that which is against what God has commanded us and taught us to do, that's called backsliding. Because the moment me and you begin to do things our way, and in our, our, our plans and our and following our heart, we ain't got but one option, that's going backwards. And here's the thing tonight, if me and you don't heed that initial call of God to get those things right in our life, we're not gonna progress. We're not going to grow. We're only gonna go in one direction. And so we see tonight there is heated repentance. Let me ask you, now, are you willing to heed God's call of repentance in your life? Where God says, hey, get those things right. Amend your ways there's heat of repentance notice number two tonight there's a holy realization there's a holy realization look at verse number eight behold ye trust in lying words that cannot profit you steal murder and commit adultery and swear falsely and burn incense under bale. man these are terrible people these are god's people These are the ones who've seen the presence of God in the temple. They've seen God move amongst the people. And here's what they're doing in verse number 10. Verse number nine, excuse me. And walk after the gods whom you know not. In essence, God said, I have made myself known to you. You know who I am. And yet you're walking after gods that you don't even know. Then you go on to verse number 10. And come and stand before me in this house which is called by my name, and say, We are delivered to do all these abominations. See, so here's the thing tonight what you have to realize is that you'll never believe a lie, nor will you ever follow a lie and end up in the right place. It doesn't work that way. If you're going to end up in the right place, you've got to follow. The truth, but verses eight and nine, in essence, the nation of Israel here or uh, the people of, the, of Judah here tonight, they are, trying, they are trying to excuse and they're trying to justify that which they've been doing. Everything that is mentioned in verse number nine, here's the thing, everything that is mentioned in verse number nine goes directly against the 10 commandments. Shall not steal, murder, commit adultery, swear falsely, burn incense on the Baal, and walk after other gods whom you know not. In essence, they know that what they are doing is wrong. And yet they're saying, well, it's not that bad. It's really not that bad. We can do that and we can still walk into the temple and worship God. We can uh, knowingly and willingly hang out in those areas and in those places and say those things and do those actions and it's gonna be okay. I'll walk into church, I'll smile and I'll worship God like there's nothing wrong. Because, I mean, we are under grace. We are under the grace of God tonight. In our day and age, the, the Bible talks about turning the, the grace of God into lasciviousness. In essence, they, they, instead of allowing the grace of God to do what it's actually supposed to do, we use it as an excuse or as a license to do that which we want to do. And here's the thing, and a lot of people say it like this, where they say, well, preacher, If it's wrong, then why are there so many people doing it? Preacher, if there's wrong, why are so many people ascribing to that and going with that crowd and doing those things? Just because the crowd does it doesn't mean it's right. The crowd cried, crucify him. I don't think they were crying the right thing. The crowd cried, let his blood be upon our hands when Christ was dying on the cross of Calvary. (laughs) To be honest with you, sometimes, and I, I, don't, I don't know the statistics on it, seven out of 10, eight out of 10, nine out of 10, 10 out of 10 times. If the crowd's doing it and everybody's doing it, you might want to check it out first. Make sure it lines up with the word of God. There's an attempted justification. So there's nothing new under the sun. It's not, this isn't a contemporary problem that has just come out of nowhere. We see it back in the days of Jeremiah in the nation of Israel. They are trying to justify that which they've been doing. And there's a, it's not just a few of them. Who is he talking to in verse number two? All ye of Judah. I talked about it this morning. I wasn't preaching to the world. I wasn't preaching to everybody else. I, no doubt, like I said, our message is gonna go on the World Wide Web, but I wasn't preaching to the World Wide Web. I was preaching to South Haven Baptist Church. But Judah is not just preaching to a small group of people. He's preaching to the whole nation. He's preaching to all those who identified as people of Judah. And so if he's preaching to the whole crowd, the whole crowd must be playing in it, must be headed towards that direction. There's an attempt at justification. They are just, oh, I mean, it ain't that bad, Jeremiah. It could be worse. It could be worse. Look at, there's an, But here's the thing. There's an attempt at justification, verse number 10. There's an actual judgment. And come and stand before me in this house which is called by my name, and say, we are delivered to do all these abominations. And this is what they're saying is, Jeremiah, it's all right. Because we've been delivered, we can do these things. Because we are God's people, we are entitled to do that which we want to do. Jeremiah, don't you know how grace works? Jeremiah, don't you know how liberty works and how freedom works? I can do whatever. Now listen tonight, we understand that God has given us a free will. You and I can choose to do that which we want to do but grace is not so me and you can go live a life of sin and say, well, it's all under grace. No, grace is the thing through faith that enables me and you to live a separate holy life. We weren't saved to go back to the life we were saved from. We were saved that we might be separated and serve God with all that we have. We see the actual judgment. You and I weren't saved to continue or go further in sin. We were saved so we could be holy, set apart for a service. God said, you're gonna walk into my house. You're gonna walk into my place that has my name and try to tell me that foolishness. God said, you ain't taking it serious. <laughs> you are seriously mistaken. First requires a holy realization. In essence, you can't go out and do all those things and expect to have wonderful times of worship. And here's the thing, there's so many, and I'm not trying to bash other churches or anything like that, but there's so much entertainment mixed on that the average Christian has no idea to tell the difference. They have come to grips that worship is nothing more than having an emotional experience at church. If they play the right songs, if they, if they hit the right chords, I get emotional, I have worshipped. Can I say real worship leads you to be holy? It leads you to be separate. It leads you to be set apart. It leads you to the realization that grace enables me to do that which I could not do without it. There's a holy realization. There's needed repentance tonight. But look at verse, not verse number three, but number three tonight, there's a heartbreaking reality. Why must you and I take worship serious? Why must we not sell out for contemporary, uh, fake, uh, emotional, you know, just play worship, pretend worship? Now, every now and again, we'll be at the house and we'll be talking about something and I'll play preach. I'll get to hacking. I'll get to I mean, I become a Tennessee mountain wind-sucking preacher. Hey, I told you to clean your room right now. Go clean it right now. Ha. Sometimes I think I preach better when I'm playing than what I do behind here. Amen, Shiloh. Amen. But notice here, tonight, we'll play that and we'll do all that kind of stuff, but your time is more valuable and my time is more valuable for us to come here and play. Because if we come here and put on the part, I remember reading, I think it was David Brainerd, as a missionary out west to the Native Americans back in the seventeen eighteen hundreds. 1800s. I remember reading about one of his first experiences after being saved, going to church. You know, and, and we come in and we cut up and we play and we, we fellowship and we, we talk to one another and we, we catch up on the latest news with each other. But in the days of Br- David Brainerd, it wasn't that way. When you walked into church, you sat still and you were quiet. And if you talked, it had to be, and it was understood to be, the custom was it could only be about the things of God. People would walk into church, Jacob, they'd ask a question like, are you thoroughly right with God? And expected an answer. What did God show you from his word today? And they expected an answer. We've, we've lost some of that. And we've, and we, we, at camp, this year we we're trying to teach the kids some practical truths about the, the house of God. This is God's house, right? We're gonna treat it properly. We're gonna treat it in the right, right uh, aspect with the right respect tonight. There's things that you ought not to do in the house of God, even if you do them at your own house. You ought not to jump off the pews. You ought not to run through the sanctuary. You ought to treat God's house with respect. because Why? This is God's house, This is where God meets with his people. This is where we come together to meet with God and we fellowship and we corporately worship together. Can I say as a pastor, you know what breaks my heart more than anything else sometimes is when those who are struggling and those who are going through something neglect the attendance of God's house. I say, preacher, pray for me. I need help. Preacher, pray for me. I'm struggling right now and I'm thinking to myself, you have forsook the very meal that God has prepared for you. It's a difficult thing. And then there's those who will never say a word to me, who are going through great anguish, through great pain, but are faithful to God's house. No they say things like this, "Preacher, you don't know what I was going through, but that which you preached helped me, strengthened me and encouraged me. We see here this morning or this evening, there's a heartbreaking reality when you and I don't take our worship seriously. What is it? We might very well lose the place that we worship the place that God has given to us. Look at verse number 13. And now, because you've done all these works, saith the Lord, and I spake unto you, rising up early and speaking, but you heard not. And I called you, but you answered not. Therefore will I do unto this house, which is called by my name, wherein you trust, and unto the place which I gave to you and your fathers, as I have done, To Shiloh. What did he do to Shiloh? Well, you have to go back and read the Old Testament, but I was reminded, I was reading this, there's a message by J. Harold Smith called God's Three Deadlines. In that message, he speaks about deadlines or, or lines that once someone crosses, there are consequences that can't be changed, consequences that can't be fixed. A line that once you cross over, you can't cross back over on the other side. That's what happened at Shiloh. God's people forsook God. They went after the false gods of the land. They went after and lived and did that which was right in their own heart. Their imagination was evil and God took the covenant and the, the ark of the temple, not the ark of the, the ark of the covenant tonight, he took it and gave it over to the enemy. The ark was taken out of Shiloh. And with it, God's presence left Israel. But notice here tonight, God just didn't pull it out instantly. Verse number 13 shows us there was an appeal from God. Look, he said, now because you have done all these works, saith the Lord, and I spake unto you when it was almost too late. I spake unto you after it got really, really bad. Now he said, I spake unto you rising early before the issue was great, before there was a big mess, God said, I spoke to you. I dealt with your heart. I pleaded with you to get right. But notice what it says, but you heard not. And I called you, and you answered not. Notice he said, at first you didn't hear me. Why? he's probably too busy. He's too consumed with everything else. You couldn't hear. But notice this, what came, what began is, consumption, what, be, what began as being consumed, turned into consciousness. He said, because I called and you answered not. In essence, you heard, but you ignored. You answered not. We all got a telephone nowadays, smartphones. How I many of y'all remember the days before caller ID? <laughs> you didn't know who was calling, what they were calling for, and why they were calling. And so it was just like, who... Back in the day you had to identify yourself when you picked up your phone. Y'all remember that? You've called the Wagner home, how can I help you? My favorite, my favorite when I was growing up was when the telemarketers would call my dad at dinner time. <laughs> Cuz he wasn't like, no thank you, I'm not interested. <laughs> he would say things like this. Do you know you called us in the middle of dinner? Thinking dad, they don't know that. <laughs> they don't know what time we eat dinner. We don't publish that for everybody to know. He said, but he, I'm sitting here trying to have a good meal with my family. I've worked all day. I'm tired. I'm trying to I'm trying to spend time with my kids and you want to come. I don't want your vacuum. Click. They wouldn't call back. <laughs> I probably wouldn't either. But there's this constant appeal. And the Bible said because he said, look, look what he said in verse number 13. I, 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 I spake unto you, rising up early and speaking, but you heard not. You were so consumed with everything else. You didn't hear my voice. You didn't hear the appeal that I was bringing your way. He said, but then there came a point where you heard, but you didn't answer. You slid over the red in your life. Well, I don't have time for that. But well, I'm too busy. But well, I'm not dealing with that. So we see here this morning there was, uh, there was constant appeals that began as too busy and turned into callousness. Lord, I'm not going to deal with that. Can I say one of the most dangerous places you'll ever be in your Christian life is where you tell God, I will not deal with that. I will not get that right. I will not fix that. I will not amend my ways when it comes to that, Lord, because then you know what you're supposed to do. You know why you're supposed to do it? You're just choosing not to deal with it. Verse number 13, he talks about how they were, he spoke to them and they would not hear. He called them and they would not answer. But then there's upsetting closure in verse 14 and 15. Therefore, I will do unto this house, which is called by my name. You got to remember that this is God's house. This is God's place. We ought to worship God. It's his business. I don't own this building nor do you. I'll preach, I give tithes and I give offerings. Praise the Lord, thank you for that. But this ain't ours. This is God's. And so we can come in, we can do this thing our way and watch God go out the back door. Or we can do this thing God's way and enjoy his presence. There was upsetting closure. He said, if you keep pushing me off, if you keep ignoring me, if you keep, Uh, letting your heart get callous not responding to my pleas he said I'll do the same thing I did in Shiloh I will let you have what you want I will give you what you want just like he did in Shiloh we find ourselves in the same boat sitting in a building without his presence going to a church that God doesn't attend being destroyed by an enemy who relishes in our destruction. I wonder how many churches tonight, they opened the door, well, I wonder how many churches this morning opened up the doors. They did what they thought was right. They did what they thought they wanted to do. They did it their way. People came in and said, this is a wonderful place. only problem was God wasn't there. God wasn't there we am going to realize tonight that we are not above that. That if we, like the nation of Israel does here, pushes God away, we don't take worship serious. Can I say the worst thing I will ever give to you that I'll ever allow to happen is to let this place become fake. Let it become entertaining. Let it become purely emotional. There's a heartbreaking reality and we don't take worship seriously we'll lose our place to worship. We'll lose the place that God has given us and God has provided for us. So I simply want to ask you tonight, are you going to take worship serious? Enough, you're going to take it serious enough to respond to God's plea for amending and repentance. To make that holy realization, I'm going to take it serious Then I ain't going to play with sin. You young people, listen to me, don't play with it. You think, oh, it won't bite me, it will. It'll hold on a whole lot longer than you, than you want it to too. I'm not going to play with it. I, I, I'm saved by grace not to go back. To, I'm saved by grace to serve God. I'm, I'm going to come to that realization in my life because I don't ever want to have that heartbreaking reality that I go to a church that God doesn't attend. Let me ask you now, how serious are you about worship? I'm not talking about singing the song. I'm not talking about going through the motions. I'm talking about becoming before God, bowing down before him and saying, Lord, my way doesn't matter I want your way. I want nothing but your way. Because Lord, the moment I start doing things my way, I'm inching closer and closer and closer to that heartbreaking reality that i will become so calloused, so hard, I'll end up far away from God. Worship's a serious thing tonight. We ought to take it seriously.